Hello there and welcome. We are live and this is the Smart Building Series. Just want to um, welcome everybody. And today we are talking about how data will facilitate your office re-entry strategy. And I'm very happy to uh, have Dan Ryan from VergeSense with us today. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Jim. Growing out Good. my pandemic. Uh, here <laughs> um, how nice. about yourself? Yeah, no, same, same, same. Uh, and yeah, we've got a really great uh, discussion, I think, here today, um, talking about practical strategies and tactics that companies can deploy as they prepare to get back to the office, uh, which seems to be gathering pace now, which is great news for everybody. Uh, just a few things from me. Uh, first thing, um, I, you know, a bit of housekeeping, and then I'm going to ask Dan to introduce himself and VergeSense as well, so you guys can get a sense of what they're doing. Um, and also just to say, you know, we want to make this an interactive session. So if you've got any questions for us, please uh, type them in. I think you will find that there is a Q&A button. If you click on that, you'll be able to send us some questions, type them in, and we'll be able to take them as we go along. Um, other than that, like what we've got planned for today, um, beyond the intro is then to talk or start talking about the impact on workspaces and preparing for the transition. And then after that, more about transitioning back and how that's going to work. And then finally, what will the post-COVID workplace look like? Um, so yeah, without further ado, Dan, tell us about yourself and VergeSense, please. Sure. Yeah. And let me, um, I will take over and go into presentation mode and share my please screen. Do. Um, so yeah, good morning, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in, and, and thanks uh, to Jim for uh, for, for hosting. Uh, my name is uh, Dan Ryan, and I'm with VergeSense. Um, and basically, what what we're going to do today is I'm going to start off um, just give a little background on the company, uh, talk a little bit about um, one component of our product, which is our our sensor hardware. Um, I'm going to go through that um, and showcase some of the data that we're able to collect. Uh, then we're going to uh, kick it back for questions, and then I'm going to come back and highlight some of the specific tools uh, that we've been developing around using um, occupancy data and people count data uh, um, to help companies in the return to work strategies. Uh, obviously, a huge topic of, of conversation right now. Um, what I'll say is like the, the main thing that we've been uh, thinking through and having a lot of dialogue with customers is... is is around sort of the so what. Um, so, you know, we, we have the ability to uh, generate a lot of, um, you know, rich, useful data about what's happening uh, in the environment. Um, but, but the real question is sort of how does that data um, actually integrate with uh, workflows uh, around it and actually help, help customers during that, that return to work strategy. So um, we'll, we'll sort of talk specifically about um, actual anecdotes that we're hearing from customers and clients about um, what, um, how data is being used and then how data is being used to actually drive that return of work, return of work strategy. So jumping right in, um, just kind of brief overview on the company. Um, so, so we've been around about, about three years now, um, uh, globally deployed. I think we're in about 20 countries, uh, now, uh, tens of thousands of, um, sensor, uh, products, uh, all over the world, uh, in a variety of different regions. And, um, from a, um, a product perspective, uh, sort of the core uh, of what we do is we have a, um, a people counting sensor 
platform. Uh, these devices are, are, are typically uh, ceiling mounted. Um, the data they collect is 100% anonymous. Um, what we do is um, we, we get accounts of how many people are detected within the, the vicinity of the sensor. Uh, we also get distance information as well. So we can tell um, how close people are standing together, um, which is um, you know, data that's, that's sort of you know, quite, quite relevant now. Um, and then from a form factor perspective, we have both uh, wired um, sensor options um, for, for sort of mostly new construction type of scenarios. Uh, and then we also have a battery, uh, battery powered sensor option um, that installs you know, really quickly and easily. And I'll show sort of an example of that shortly. Um, from a data perspective, um, we, we have the ability to deploy the products sort of an on-prem network uh, and then also um, um, get uh, data back to the cloud over a cellular uh, backhaul via a gateway device. Um, so oftentimes that creates you know, something that can be deployed uh, really rapidly, uh, really quickly. Um, and then um, an analytics tool, which we'll uh, show some examples of later on, um, and then APIs for funneling uh, this data into a, a whole bunch of, of um, third-party systems, um, you know, both traditional IWMS and room booking type systems. And now, you know, there's a lot of discussion around, you know, using occupancy data for, for cleaning scheduling, cleaning management, you know, ticketing, that sort of thing. Uh, so that's been sort of pulled into scope uh, as well. Uh, and the main theme of all this is that we try and maintain a lot of agility. Uh, so we really want to be able to roll this product out uh, very quickly. You know, we, we've done it uh, at scale with a number of, number of organizations and, um, and sort of the, the, this new reality, we've sort of been pulled forward uh, in terms of the pace that, that people want to deploy uh, and scale up product. Um, so, so, you know, having something that's really flexible, simple, easy uh, has, been, uh, has been something that, that we, you know, we've, we've had a real focus on as a company since the beginning. Um, so di diving in, this is actually, this is like a super cool video. Let's see, let's see if the video actually works. But um, yeah, what this is actually showing exactly how the product gets installed. And that's it. Yeah, it's that, that, that simple. Um, uh, very, very, very cool. But um, ba basically, um, the, the product has a, um, a magnetic uh, mounting system on the back. So for most ceiling types, we have sort of drop ceiling. It literally is as simple as that seconds um, to, to get the, um, the physical product installed. Um, you're able to get data flowing uh, right away. Um, and then as that data gets aggregated, you know, from, from conference rooms, from spaces in the floor, um, you'll, you'll sort of get, you know, higher level analytics reporting and alerting um, in as little as a week. Um, so, you know, designed for that in a really rapid, uh, uh, quick installation type type scenario. Um, Dan, Dan, I had a question come in for you. Um, sure. Asking how long the battery lasts on that device. So we target two-year battery life with the product. Okay. Um, and then in terms of the sort of the actual, the actual data, um, so, so typically these are mounted in sort of um, open uh, desk areas uh, or within sort of enclosed spaces like meeting rooms, you know, conference rooms, et cetera. Um, and then the, the two sort of bits of data we get are uh, account. Uh, so we know exactly sort of how many people are uh, sort of within that space. Um, and then we also get actually distance uh, between, between, uh, between those folks. So, um, and sort of, um, but both those data uh, points are available in APIs, uh, as well as in sort of our, our reporting uh, and analytics uh, tools. So, you know, obviously, um, there's a lot of um, new use cases that have emerged. Uh, a lot of companies are thinking about uh, limiting the occupancy of conference rooms. Um, so we have the ability to say, 
how many people are within a room? Is it sort of exceeding, you know, your, um, that room's target capacity uh, as people think about return to work? Um, and then also we, we have the ability to aggregate that, that data across many, many types of sensors. So um, looking at, you know, whole, you know, whole floors, zones and floors uh, and that sort of thing. I'll show some examples of that a little later, later on. Um, and this, this, um, um, this is jumping sort of, sort of the, the, the sort of more COVID uh, related um, capabilities, but this is showcasing the ability for the sensor to actually do um, just sort of this distance um, type, uh, type measurement. So because we have the, the distance between uh, people within the, the field of view of the sensor, that's also additional data that we can aggregate uh, and, sort of, and sort of report on. Um, but, but with that, um, we'll sort of pause and then Jim, kick it over to you for sort of, you know, maybe going through some of these initial questions. And um, I, I think we have some poll, polling questions for the audience as well. Yeah, sure. Um, where am I? Let's have a look. Yeah, so we've had a couple of questions come in specifically about, you know, your product. Um, alerting is remote management and or in space. How do you, uh, how, do, how is alerting handled in your system? Yeah, so, for, so from a learning perspective, uh, I think I have a mock-up of this uh, somewhere here. Yeah, so, so um, we have um, an alerting API basically. So, so we can both um, alert uh, via our own tool with, the, with sort of an email uh, style alert, uh, or which, what's most common is to want to pull that data into a, a third-party uh, alerting tool or, or, or ticketing tool. Um, the main sort of question we always have with alerting is sort of what are you going to do um, around that alert? Um, so we've been having a lot of dialogue with customers around um, you know, okay, if I detect a, a floor is above its sort of, you know, target occupancy level during, during the return to work strategy, uh, what do I do with that? Or if there's, you know, a conference room um, that, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing an uh, alert generated because there's too many people in that conference room. Um, most companies, I would say, aren't going to have like somebody on the floor that's going to you know, break up the party, right? And actually go to that room and sort of, you know, and try and respond to that in real time. Um, but the most common use case that, that, that we've been seeing from folks um, is, is this concept of a, um, an alert that would then be generated on a daily basis. And then if you're seeing a particular, you know, conference room that's um, seeing a lot of bad, you know, called bad behavior or a shared space that's seeing a lot of over-occupancy events, mm -hmm. somebody would actually go check that, that space out um, and maybe, you know, you forgot to pull the chair out of the conference room or, or, or maybe there was some um, signage required in that area to reinforce social distancing. So we, we think the alerts to drive sort of daily uh, type of um, uh, reporting is going to be on um, the way most people consume it uh, as opposed to doing like, you know, that, that real time type alert. But, but we have the ability to do both. Okay. I'll take, um, we've got quite a bunch of questions come in. Sorry, guys, if I don't get to do all of them and um, we'll try and do like three or four now and then so we can move on to talk a bit more about um the workspace transition and the um the covid related stuff in a bit more detail um, but let's do some now dan uh next one for you is um can the people counting sensor tie into building automation systems to do hvac or lighting control yes yes for for um for for the, the BMS piece, um, uh, it's, it's long been on the roadmap is sort of what I always tell people, uh, a, a backnet integration. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, 
it's actually, it's coming up a lot more in the forefront now. Um, it's something we sort of always discussed. Hey, you know, we want to, we want to build um, um, some sort of backend integration to tie into HVAC. Um, but it's actually even more important now because there's such an emphasis on uh, air quality and airflow uh, within, uh, within spaces. Um, so that's something that um, we're looking at more deeply. We haven't actually built that integration yet, um, mm -hmm. but presumably, you know, you're getting a count, you know, piece of count data um, and um, th that integration could be done. And we're, we're hearing a lot more about that now. Right. Um, yeah. So with the air quality piece and stuff like that. Quality, but yeah. I guess it also depends on which Bloom automation lighting control system the person has, right? Depending on if you can, if you can interact with it or not. But yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, for more legacy systems where there maybe isn't that capability available, you know, mm -hmm. probably more of a stretch, but, but for, for most of the sort of more modern systems with, um, um, uh, backnet, backnet IP. Then it's uh, possible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and another interesting question here. I understand the need for this going back to the workplace now. So this kind of use case, but uh, was this really, uh, what was this really used for before? Yeah, it's, um, a, yeah. it's a great question. Um, I, I talk about it all the time. So, so probably the best sort of view of this right here is, um, you know, we've got the two red dots around the people sitting next to each other here. Uh, and then sort of in the, in the pre-COVID world, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, use cases for, for this type of product, uh, for agile, you know, agile workforce strategy, um, tying sensor data into desk availability, room availability. Um, and the, 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 the sort of picture you see here are people collaborating in the workplace. Right. Uh, and, and the sort of the old metric for this was workplace collisions. Uh, you sort of were, were, were trying to create those architects would talk about like we want you know, ad hoc workplace collisions to happen within the environment. Uh, and now we want the opposite, right? It's all about social distancing and sort of, you know, maintaining um, lower occupancy levels uh, in general. So um, it's been sort of a complete, uh, a complete 180 in terms of how you use um, the data uh, in, in that respect. And, and that's been, you know, pretty, pretty surprising, interesting transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from our perspective, you know, we wrote um, a report about occupancy analytics earlier this year, looking at the market and the vendors out there and trying to size what we think the market is worth at the moment. Plus also, you know, really looking at the use cases and, you know, beyond what we're talking about here today, there's also, you know, a load of stuff around trying to optimize the workplace uh, around room booking, around visitor management. Um, and then of course the whole space utilization piece, you know, are you, being as uh, efficient as you can be with with your with your space, uh, those are all things that, that people companies were doing um, before before COVID. Exactly. Uh, let's take one more, Dan, and then we'll then we'll crack on with uh, the rest of what we want to talk about. Uh, what distances do the de devices cover? And if using multiple devices, how do you avoid double counting? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, from a deployment perspective, the the Typical ratio is like one sensor per eight desks uh, when they're deployed above desks um, and within conference rooms, you know, one sensor uh, for, for, for most rooms up to about a dozen people. And then, you know, once you get a, 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 above a dozen person capacity with traditional capacity measurement, uh, you may require multiple sensors. Um, but the um, when, when the sensors are commissioned, uh, we have a tool that basically if there's areas of overlap uh, between two devices, um, when, when the devices get commissioned, one sensor basically assumes 
responsibility for that area. So you don't double count people. Uh, and then they'll also, the sensors will also synchronize. Um, so they'll make sure they take a reading uh, at the same time uh, if there's an overlap between them. So, you know, you don't have a person that sort of, you know, moves in between those areas in between uh, when each sensor uh, fires off its reading. So we sort of, uh, we calibrate both both time and space uh, to ensure that you don't get double counting. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll get on with part two now and we'll definitely try and get to everyone's question. Um, we've got plenty of time, I think. But um, of course, if we, if we don't or if there's any other um, anything that you want to ask, um, I'm sure we can, um, we can work out a way to do that. Uh, maybe by email or something else um, after uh, when we're offline. So in part two here, we wanted to, to talk um, about the impact on workplaces and this preparing for the transition back as well. And again, it'd be interesting to hear um, from you guys out there, like if you want to put this in the chat, um, about what the most challenging hurdles that you're dealing with at the moment in, you know, in responding to this. Um, but Dan, from your perspective, um, how have you seen COVID impact um, your clients and, and the way that they are operating at the moment or, or the way they will be operating? Yeah, so, so in, initially, right, it, it obviously, it's been uh, a, a very rapidly uh, evolving scenario over the past two months. Uh, initially, a lot of people were, were just trying to figure out how to you know, shut down the office basically and then have everybody work from home productively. Uh, so that was, you know, top of everybody's mind for the first month. And then um, one, once that was sort of sorted out, um, I think one surprising thing, and we talked about this recently, uh, was that um, most companies, you know, were, were sort of, you know, very, very skeptical of um, work from home. And generally, uh, there's a lot of skepticism at it. Um, and then we, we ran a poll on a webinar I did a couple of weeks ago uh, of, you know, sort of how was work from home going for most people? And we saw 96% of those uh, people said, you know, better than expected, which was you know, pretty, pretty shocking statistics. So um, a lot of people um, adjusted and, and calibrated really, really fast. And, and then sort of the question became, okay, how are we thinking about, you know, potentially returning uh, to, to the office? And um, a lot of the stuff has been, been, you know, talked about and written a lot about recently. So I won't touch too much on it, but um, the sort of two, two main themes that we see now are, um, folks thinking about a, a, some sort of staggered return. Um, and, and that's pretty universal. Uh, nobody's going to go back from, from, you know, zero to 100%. Um, it's mostly starting with, uh, people that, you know, need to be on site, um, for, you know, for, to, to perform their work. You know, this includes folks in like the pharmaceutical industry. We've got a couple of com- uh, customers in that, in that sector that need access to uh, lab space and sort of critical equipment on site. Um, and, and then sort of, you know, from there, um, scaling up in, in stages. Um, and then, you know, one thing, one pretty consistent pattern we're seeing across you know, almost everybody is that um, the, the target date for returning uh, has, been, has been shifting a lot. You know, originally people were talking about May, then it was sort of June, now it's late summer, September. And then, you know, a lot of people are, you know, thinking about uh, 2021 as an eventual target date. Um, and I think um, one of the sort of long-term impacts of this is that you're going to see um, this, this sort of hybrid, um, you know, digital remote collaboration and physical collaboration is something that will stick, I think, for, for many, many years uh, to come. Um, a second theme we've been seeing um, is that a lot of people have been talking about, you know, how much space do they actually need, right, in, in the long term. Uh, if, um, you know, in the, in the post-COVID environment, 
Um, I've, I've now learned that, you know, half of my workforce can work from home effectively and people are maybe only coming to the office a couple of days a week. You know, what does that mean for the future of agile space and my need for sort of um, all the office space that I'm currently renting out? And you're already seeing some companies talk about, you know, limiting um, new leases and, um, um, and, and, you know, thinking about, you know, consolidating their portfolio. And I think that's something that's going to, going to stick, uh, as well in the, um, uh, in the long term. So, um, yeah, a bunch of different dynamics at play there. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I mean, even just from, we take away the kind of COVID part of this, you know, everyone's sort of anticipating a recession and, you know, even in that scenario, it would, it would be likely that a lot of people would be looking to, um, you know, readjust their their um, their portfolio. Yeah, and you need well. The best way of doing that is with is with data, right? Yeah. The the, the other sort of like like other interesting sort of counterpoint that I've seen too, and this anecdote from from a couple of customers is that like the the thinking is that um, having spaces be sort of you know more agile uh, is actually has enabled some customers to respond more effectively to this. Um, we want one client, um, you know, global, you know, fortune, you know, fortune 100 type company, uh, they had offices in Asia. Um, and then they had offices, um, in, in the West in North America and Europe. Um, and as they were thinking about their return to work strategy, um, many customers are implementing kind of like we call a checkerboard, uh, in, in terms of the, um, the desk areas. So they go you know, every other desk or every third desk. Um, so no two people are sitting adjacent. Uh, and that customer uh, was was sort of already with an unassigned seating strategy uh, in Asia. And when they had to come back and actually execute, you know, the, the checkerboard return to work strategy, um, they were actually able to implement that a lot more easily in Asia because they had unassigned seats versus uh, as they're looking to now do it in the U.S. Uh, they have assigned an assigned seating environment. They're thinking about sort of how to you know stage teams. So teams come back. They don't want sort of an entire team to come back, they want to sort of stagger that, and and um, that's that's more challenging to do in an assigned seating environment uh, versus an unassigned envi environment. So uh, we also think there's a little bit of a trend here uh, that this will actually accelerate a lot of the um, sort of dynamic, more flexible, agile work uh, workplace strategies across the board um, as, as people kind of think about that coming back as well. So, mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's similar, similar things we're hearing in, in Europe here as well. So um, it makes perfect sense. I think this kind of staggered approach and be interesting to see how it plays out. So in, t in terms of like transitioning back, uh, what are some of the interesting things you've seen clients doing to prepare? Um, what did you think they're thinking about? And, and what are the challenges you think? I mean, and indeed, like anyone out there who wants to share some of their challenges, um, feel free to put that in the chat. Yeah, so, so the main one, and this maybe hits on, you know, a, a couple of things that, that we're doing is, um, you know, there's, there's obviously a, a lot of focus on um, occupancy management. Um, and there's sort of two dimensions of that. One is um, sort of how many people am I allowing to come back on the floor um, and into my buildings? Um, and a lot of customers are again doing this sort of staggered rollout. Uh, but then the other aspect of that is, is measurements, right? So just because I can say that, you know, 10%, 20% of the people are quote unquote allowed to come back, uh, how many people are actually coming back? You know, there, there's going to be a lot of behavioral changes. Um, people aren't going to be, you know, feel, feel, feel safe necessarily, um, on day zero, everybody has a different, uh, commuting, 
scenario, right? So, so you know, companies that are operating in you know, major cities in which public transportation is a big com- component of the workplace commute, that's a, that's a, that's a major challenge uh, as well. Um, and then in terms of like actually executing on the environmental changes in the office um, that, that people are thinking about. So, you know, plexiglass and um, additional cleaning routines and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, what's actually happening on the floor. So um, one of the things that uh, we've been doing is saying, how can we use sensor data to sort of, you know, help manage this, this return back. And um, uh, the big thing we're, we're looking at is um, sort of using data to inform what we call problem spaces uh, in, in the workplace, right? So, you know, here are spaces where, where we're seeing, um, you know, excess um, unsafe distances, you know, sort of like, you know, congregations of people uh, or uh, spaces in the floor in which we're seeing people go above target capacity rates. Um, and and so we have this avail- this data now available in a, uh, a new dashboard view in a report. Um, and then the intention of this is that it's then shared with the facility team uh, as part of basically a daily workflow. So on a daily basis, uh, you get to see sort of what spaces um, are, are, you know, call it, you know, potential problem zones, red zones. Um, and then you know, maybe I need to check that room. I forgot to pull the chairs out. Maybe I need to sign or, or, uh, or what have you, right? So using sensor data to monitor the, the physical environment and how that's influencing uh, behavior. <laughs> and, then, and then similarly, this is just sort of a different view of that. Um, um, this is more of an occupant facing view, um, but for occupants in the floor, how can I find like a, like a green zone, <laughs> right? right? So in an area that's at lower occupancy. Uh, as well. So this is what, what this is showing is sort of more of a, a real-time view of uh, what seats are occupied uh, within within the building, what rooms are occupied. You see green's available uh, and red is red is occupied. Um, and then, you know, as an occupant on the floor, can I then use this data to, you know, to find, you know, an area of, of lower occupancy to go, go, go work at as well. So both an occupant facing capability uh, as well as sort of that, that daily report for facility management. Yeah, it's really nice visualization there. Um, that kind of ties into a question, actually, um, one of the ones we were asked here. Um, would, it, you know, potentially going forward, is it possible then to take this data, and I know you guys have an API, don't you, that you could then incorporate maybe contact tracing data, or is there some way of getting perhaps some more human resources uh, information about, you know, how people are and and whether they've, whether you could then tell if someone who says now that they're infected has been, you've been close to them in that environment? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, we don't have anybody's identity in our system. Um, so we won't have any personally identifiable data. We know sort of there's a person sitting in this seat or there's somebody in this conference room, uh, but we don't necessarily know uh, who, that, you know who that person is. Um, one capability that we do have um, uh, in the product is uh, the sensors all actually have uh, Bluetooth beacons embedded inside of them. Um, and, you know, there have been some conversations around, um, you know, leveraging that integrated with a mobile app um, that, you know, a lot of companies have mobile apps. We have you know, a bunch of partners who provide mobile apps to, um, um, to, to the workplace and sort of, you know, integrating that with some sort of um, contact tracing type type flow. Um, but, but there's, you know, a whole host of other, you know, considerations there around, uh, employee privacy and, and a variety of other issues. So that's not something that we sort of have fully 
fleshed out yet from a product perspective. Um, but, but, um, um, it's potentially possible with leveraging Bluetooth beaconing, uh, technology. Uh, but with the people counting sensor, we, we, we wouldn't be able to do any sort of contact tracing type capability. Mm -hmm. So are there sort of one or two takeaways that you can give people about starting what they can, you know, do right now to prepare for, for reopening? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so the, 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 the main one is, um, you know, start with low tech is what we always tell people. Right. Um, so, and that's, you know, obviously what, what, what most folks are, what most, most folks are doing. Um, so physical signage, um, uh, enhanced cleaning procedures, um, hand sanitizer availability. I mean, it really all starts there. Um, the, the, the sort of main theme where we think, you know, we can uh, be helpful uh, is in sort of um, uh, aggregating some of this data um, and then making it uh, visible and available um, to both the people managing the space um, and then um, the occupants as well to help give occupants um, uh, sort of additional, additional comfort. Um, but like, the, the, again, the key thing around that is like, what is the workflow uh, around the data? Um, you can measure social distancing sort of, you know, so what, what are you going to do with that? Uh, and that's where, you know, we've had um, a lot of that customer oriented dialogue um, that's really kind of, you know, more or less coalesced on, on what I'm showing you here, which is this concept of um, um, like a, a return to work, social distancing type of dashboard in which you can see um, uh, in an aggregate level uh, how a space is performing. Um, and, and then this data can be used to either uh, reinforce communication uh, to the workforce on, um, on sort of, you know, whether we're doing good or bad and, and how can we get uh, better, uh, or it may be a signal to pe people in facility management that they need to do more with physical environmental changes to make sure the environment is, is uh, safer uh, for, for, um, for, for social distancing and for capacity management. So, so this, you, this user dashboard that might be displayed somewhere in the office or just on your, is, is it on the, this is probably, this is primarily intended for the facility manager. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, we, we, there's been some communication with some folks around, like this could maybe be more end user facing, but pr primarily now mostly for facility management and people in real estate. Uh, as well to sort of help them understand uh, how they're doing uh, for the particular buildings that they're they're managing. Mm. It's interesting with the school because I know one thing I was going to ask you was how you've sort of had to adapt this technology, you know, towards like helping with the COVID challenges. But I can you know see there about this social distancing school like that's kind of, that's super interesting. How have you how have you calculated that? Yeah, so that basically looks at. Um, um, the number, so we have like a, like a, like kind of for all the spaces on your floor, you have a, um, a standard capacity level, right? So a conference room is designed to, um, support up to, you know, 12 people, uh, in, 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 you know, the pre COVID world. And then we've added additional fields now that you can lo uh, load in, uh, both as percentages, as well as just like standard capacities where, uh, maybe now um, that 12-person conference room uh, should only support three people at a time, for example, right? Uh, or within a large desk area, um, we we want to um, you know, maintain six foot of difference distance between people. So how many people can actually occupy that zone at a particular point in time? Uh, and then we look at all your targets, and then we say, you know, how many times are you seeing violations uh, against that uh, against that target? relative to the size of your space, 
and that sort of computes the single aggregate uh, number. Um, and, and then sort of the other interesting thing dynamic of that is that um, you can do this sort of, you know, at any level that you want. So you can do it sort of at a building level, at a floor level, at a zone level, so within a floor plan. Um, so how is, um, you know, call it the, you know, the, the, the top section of the floor, how's the marketing, you know, area doing versus the finance area and that sort of thing. And it can all be integrated with the, um, the seating plan IWMS data that you have uh, as well. So you can get sort of very granular and very high level with respect to the, um, the analytics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks great. And I think then the last section I wanted to cover with you was sort of this, what post COVID workplace is going to look like. Um, and then, I, and then we can get on to um, everyone's questions. We've got quite a few queued up for you. So, yeah, I mean, I just interested in your thoughts really on what, what you think the future of, of work looks like, at least for the next you know year or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think overall with, uh, with COVID, you know, we're entering a period of management, right. Um, and sort of mitigation. Um, um, so, you know, we're going to be in a period, period of, um, you know, people at some point will come back and then there's going to be a very sort of close, uh, monitoring, um, uh, of that. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately at some point, um, you know, COVID COVID will be, uh, behind us, you know, and whether that's a one-year thing or, or, or longer is, you know, I, I think still very much an open question. Um, but in, in this sort of mitigation phase that we're going to be in for a period of time, um, you know, all the things we talked around, around um, enhanced sanitation, a lot more uh, digital, uh, remote uh, collaboration. Uh, we're seeing, you know, lots of companies think about like simple things like, you know, should I, if I, if I have a cafeteria in the office, you know, should I be you know, providing, you know, some sort of meal credit for people at home as well, because I'm taking most of my meals at home. Um, a lot of companies, including ours, you know, sort of opened up a, um, uh, a work from home budget as well. Right. So, you know, investing in additional you know, audio equipment, computer screen, mm -hmm. yeah. bigger sort of thing to, to have more of a home office uh, as well. So so I think like, you know, the the, the remote digital thing is, is going to be a really big thing. And then Physically within the office, um, you know, yes, you're going to see, um, I think, um, yeah, a lot of changes to the physical environment, uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, capacity uh, management, occupancy management. Um, you're seeing um, a lot of folks think about uh, testing uh, in the office. This is sort of a new emerging uh, subject. We've talked to a lot of companies that are thinking about um, spinning up their own um, COVID uh, test programs uh, at some point. Um, uh, this year, uh, so it's a very rich topic of discussion. People think about temperature checking uh, coming into the office as well. Um, people think about self-reporting of temperature checks at home on a mobile app. So there's a whole variety of sort of wellness-related uh, items that people are considering, uh, and I think that's going to be with us for definitely a period of time. Uh, I think the ultimate long-term impact of this is going to be <clears throat> kind of an acceleration. Uh, of a lot of stuff that was already in motion around, you know, digital remote remote work, uh, and and, I, and I'm hopeful <clears throat> that eventually, you know, this the red the red becomes a green on this slide, <laughs> right? That that you know the the workplace you know is is going to be about driving like the physical collab collaboration again, uh, and, and I think um, its purpose will be <clears throat> uh, more geared around that versus you know I'm I'm showing up the office because I need to, 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 to show, you know, to show them, you know, to show them working. I, I think a lot of that uh, digital, physical set of balance is going to come into play over the next couple of years. 
Yeah, there's some, some great points there. Um, a lot really to think about, isn't it? Um, and actually, one of the last things I wanted to ask you was, was around this kind of office densification trend that we've seen over the last few years, you know, the, which kind of cuts against what, what we're seeing now, right? It's like everyone's been trying to kind of optimize their office, make fit more people into less space, but kind of now, what do you think is that? Are we going to have to reverse that? Or is it just more of there's probably going to be a mix of, you know, remote versus office working? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different perspectives on this, right? So there's like one perspective, which is um, the amount of office space sort of is going to stay the same, but you'll have like more space per person, right? Um, so like it's like, you know, fixed space, but instead of like we work, I think was getting down to like 75 square foot per, per person, uh, which is quite dense, right? And especially in this environment, um, the, the, the sort of thinking is that you would have, you know, more space per person, but, um, uh, but overall kind of same, same space. What I think is really going to happen is you'll see, um, I, I wouldn't even call it sort of net, you know, densification of, of, of the workplace. Um, what I think you'll see is sort of more of a, more of a balance. Uh, and by that, I mean, you may have a lot of people assigned to an office. Um, so you might like, like from a, from a, from a sort of densification perspective, you have many people assigned to an office, um, but maybe you're not going in five days a week. Um, maybe it's two, three days a week that, De you know, designated collaboration days, days where there's going to be a need for, for folks to be, to be in the office for certain things. Um, and, you know, for the, for a lot of people that can be effective in a remote scenario, um, um, you don't, you won't be expected to come in five days a week uh, anymore. Um, but, but that may actually mean, um, sort of, you know, more people assigned uh, to sort of those, those, those big buildings, but they're just not coming in every day. Um, so in that sense, that's why I, I think it will sort of, you'll, you'll see that, that trend around like kind of like a smarter environment continue. Mm -hmm. um, but, mm -hmm. but the, the way, the way that people think about it is, is less into like, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to densify the office and more, and we're trying to facilitate this hybrid, you know, remote plus in office type of experience. Uh, I also think it, it, it this has some you know interesting trends with like like the trend towards urbanization uh, as well uh, because I think what you'll start to see is like um, you know hey if I don't need to come into the office every day you know maybe I don't need to live 20 minutes away right maybe I can afford a longer commute because uh, I'm not going to be um, you know thinking about um, doing that every day I'm going to do it a couple times a week um, um, as opposed to before so uh, I think that's kind of another second order effect that you'll see from this uh, as well. And I think that's, that's a trend that's going to stay with us for, for quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? It could be a, a longer term trend, definitely. Yeah. yeah, okay. So let's get to some questions. Enough from mm -hmm. me anyway. We'll get to, uh, our tra we'll try and get through everyone's questions here. And, and if we don't, as I said, like maybe we can, you can email them uh, when we've finished, but we've got a good 20 minutes. Uh, so one here, Dan, um, I guess this is about specifically about your um, your your sensor platform. Um, is it Wi-Fi connected for data, um, and is the data that's sent back to the platform? I guess is it anonymized? Um, it's, it's asking about GDPR. Yeah, yeah, it's all all, all anonymous. Um, we get the person count data, but we don't have uh, identity. Uh, of sort of who anybody is. Um, and then from a, from sort of a data connectivity standpoint, uh, we can connect both with a corporate Wi-Fi network. Um, and, and that's the typical model when we do sort of big 
big deployments, you know, thousands of units um, type of deployments. Uh, or we can also connect via um, these um, uh, cellular gateway devices. So the sensors will connect to gateways and the gateways can send um, over a cellular link back to the cloud. So you don't have to actually connect with uh, an IT network. But both, both scenarios are, uh, are supported. Uh, I would say the most common one is the um, at scale uh, is on sort of a customer provided Wi-Fi network. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I guess everyone's sort of different, aren't they? Depending whether they want, you know, we speak to quite a lot of companies as well who don't particularly want building automation data on the, the enterprise network, but um, yeah, it's good that you can offer, offer both, right? Yep. Uh, one here, again, about the sensor platform. Uh, what detection angle or area um, does your sensor provide? Yeah, the, so we think about it always from a, from like the perspective of seating. Uh, there's a lot of like environmental factors with um, uh, cubicle height and poles and, 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 and that sort of thing. So one sensor per eight desks is sort of the easiest way to estimate. Uh, and then for conference rooms, one sensor per conference room for rooms up to a, a, a dozen uh, a dozen people. So when we do sort of like uh, scoping um, without a like final floor plan or ceiling plan, uh, that's the typical rule of thumb. One sensor per eight desks or uh, one sensor per, per, per conference room or enclosed okay. space. And is, so that's part of, you know, when you install this, then you're looking at the floor plan and then you make, you make the decisions based on, you know, number of conference rooms. That's it, how you it, spec it, out the system. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we get a floor plan, a seating plan layout, um, and then that gets marked up and that provides sort of the, you know, the final estimate of the number of units in the locations, but yeah, it's all floor plan uh, based. Um, and then, you know, if we have re reflected ceiling plans, we'll look at that, look at that too. But yeah, floor mm -hmm. plans are usually the, the main, the main way to estimate. Next question. Does the solution also provide the ability to track employees movement, uh, track and trace in, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Ties... So that... Go on, sorry. Yeah. 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 That was sort of kind of related to the question before around sort of contact. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, so we don't within sort of the, the people counting sensor, uh, have that, have that ability, but the units do have, um, Bluetooth beacons, uh, embedded inside of them. And that's sort of like an optional, you know, um, add on, we can sort of enable it in software. Uh, but that would require coordination with a, um, sort of a mobile, a mobile app, uh, or sort of, or other, you know, other, uh, type of uh, Bluetooth receiver. Um, and, and that's. That, that's not so it's not something we can do in a standalone basis but we have i would say infrastructure uh in the ceiling for indoor positioning uh location with the bluetooth technology so mm -hmm. but we can't do that you know sort of on our own we have to partner mm -hmm. up with mm -hmm. um and in, but in, in terms as well like when people when people move around that space um can they you, you know your sensor can detect movement right it knows if somebody of course it's an it's um anomalized right you don't know who it is but you can see that people have moved position yeah you can you can see that we don't know like like we just know we see a person so mm -hmm. so we don't know it's the same person right so mm -hmm. if if you know you're um sitting in you know desk 10 and then you go to you know across the floor um and sit in a different desk we'll see a person is in both desks but we won't know it's the same person mm -hmm. so it's not sort of yeah. Uh, can the alerts be sent to cleaning vendors? For example, can emails be sent once a room is vacated so it can be cleaned? That's a great question. Uh, let me let me pull up 
Um, it's a really big um, topic of conversation right now. So, yeah, right. I bet. Um, so yeah, so the answer is yes, right? So um, the and this is the, the the two primary things we're hearing from from customers on cleaning. Um, there's a lot more being spent on cleaning. So so you know the, the what we've heard anecdotally is you know the, the cleaning budgets are moving up by a factor of three or four. So people are spending three or four times as much on cleaning as as they used to. Um, and and what we're uh, looking at uh, with a lot of customers is um, for shared spaces, i.e., for conference rooms, um, the ability to you know when, once a conference room uh, goes from occupancy to being available, to still hold that room uh, um, as as sort of occupied uh, until it's actually been cleaned, uh, and then to um, have the sensor once it de- detects okay the the room is is free um, and, and available now to fire off an API into a um, uh, a cleaning ticketing system to then either dispatch somebody uh, to, to that room to, to have it get it cleaned, um, or um, again, just, just hold that room, um, hold that room in, in, until, until that, that, that's been done. So, um, so yes, yeah, so the answer is yes. Um, we also have this sort of uh, concept of doing um, a regular report of the most frequently used spaces that, that do need to get uh, cleaned as well. So, cause a lot of the way a lot of cleaning is done is just kind of, you know, clean the whole floor, clean everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a fixed budget and you're trying to get leverage out of that, uh, the ability to sort of direct those resources to the most frequently used areas is a really big thing. So there's both sort of this real time, uh, capability as well as that kind of batch style, uh, daily or, or, or by daily reporting capability. Nice. Okay. And that's what we're looking at here, right? So that red would be something that's and it's a space that's been used a lot, which would need exactly. cleaning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. Very useful. Uh, next question here. Do you provide time series forecasts on occupancy? Um, so how detailed are your forecasts, I guess, if you do them? And yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, it, it's actually a really interesting question now with, um, uh, with COVID um, because like the, the behavior change is going to be like quite different. Um, and, and how people are returning to work is, is quite different. Um, we don't currently, uh, in the dashboard have the prediction, um, capability as, as, as a feature, but it is something that, um, is in the roadmap for release. I think we're targeting Q3 for that. Um, it, but it is going to be sort of really interesting with, um, uh, with the COVID, um, 19 return. I think we have, uh, a slide on this here. Sorry. Um, yeah, which, which is this slide is kind of a, a planning slide. Um, and basically what, you, what you're seeing here in that top graph is um, this, this concept of um, the allowed occupancy changing over time because customers have different sort of target rates. So I'm going to allow 10% you know, people to come back on X day, 15% on Y day. Um, and we want to show that sort of over time. And then you want to be able to sort of measure how you're performing uh, against that. So there's sort of like this planning uh, type of capability, but uh, as far as predicting based on the historical data, that's not something that we've released yet in the product, but it is it is in, in scope for, mm-hmm. for this year. Another question here. Um, what are you using AI for? Um, some machine learning or recalibration tasks? Yeah, so the way we do the, um, um, there's kind of two two fundamental ways. One is like the, the way that we do the, um, the, the sort of detection um, of, of people is based on sort of a machine learning AI, uh, AI algorithm. So um, that, that's, that's sort of 
you know, something that's been developed and refined the last couple of years allows us to do really accurate uh, people count. Um, and then the other thing um, that we've um, added, um, which is not really covered covered here, um, but we also have the capability, actually we kind of hit on here um, in this slide, to detect what's called um, signs of life, basically. Uh, and that's the concept of, um, I go into a conference room and uh, I leave my stuff in the room. I leave a laptop, I leave a coat, you know, I leave a jacket, um, what have you. Uh, I'm sort of occupying that space, even if I'm not physically present in that space. Um, and that's something that we, we have the, um, the ability to do with, with, with the sensors as well. So there's actually a specific uh, machine learning uh, model that can activate uh, upon what we call the signs of life uh, detection. And it's actually interesting, it's it, it sort of the pre-COVID context, the, the primary use case for that was for uh, real-time occupancy. So if I go to a seat, I leave my stuff there, um, I'm sort of kind of occupying that seat and I don't want to show that seat is available to somebody else. You know, if I again, I left the jacket, I left the coat, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, but now sort of in this even more kind of COVID uh, context, uh, we think about that in the context of like the meeting room cleaning type use case, right? So uh, if a bunch of people are going in the room, they leave their stuff there. Um, we want to know like, is the room actually vacant or maybe like they plan to come back um, before we sort of dispatch somebody to actually clean that room. Um, so that's sort of, you know, one way to leverage that, that science of life, uh, data, but yeah, those are the two primary ways we, we apply, um, uh, machine learning within the mm -hmm. company. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that, the uh, sign of life stuff before, I think that's very useful, right? Cause you, you know, a lot of the time, as you said, people, especially I think in co-working and flexible spaces, people just like camp on a particular desk, don't they? And they're not really using it, but it is, you know, it's not on or off sometimes it's there is a, a grayness to that. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, a few more questions for you. Is it possible to tag static assets to pair them with your device, thereby allowing the tracking of movement of assets through a building? So I guess not just people, but maybe, you know, if you've got particular bits of equipment or kit, can you keep an eye on where they are? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, so that is something that we've looked at leveraging the Bluetooth uh, beacon uh, in the product um, uh, to do. Um, concept there being you have a Bluetooth tag on an object, um, like a you know, piece of equipment um, that you're interested in monitoring the location of. And that Bluetooth tag can then communicate with the sensor in the ceiling um, to, to sort of determine um, the location of that, of that asset. Um, we haven't fully release that yet, but sort of the infrastructure is, is available. You see, you have a Bluetooth beacon in the, in the, uh, in the ceiling, but, um, and sort of the intention is to eventually leverage that for that use kit of mm -hmm. asset tracking, but mm -hmm. it's not something we have available today currently. No. Uh, and quick question about floor plans. Are you importing CAD files from the customer or are these sensor driven layouts? Um, yeah, so, so it's a good, good sort of question. So uh, hits on kind of um, integrations. Uh, so we have, a, we have a lot of integrations, a lot, a lot of you know, folks uh, um, uh, in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, the most common way we do floor plan uh, integration is either with, with one of our uh, IWMS partners. Um, so companies that are sort of already managing uh, the floor plans. You see a bunch of folks on here, you know, Sarah UI mm -hmm. Office, Robin, Office mm -hmm. Space Software, FM Assistant, Spacewall. Space mm -hmm. IQ, so there's a whole bunch of folks and, and we've got great relationships uh, on that front. Uh, we can also import the raw floor plans uh, from the customer 
uh, as well. So if we get a PDF or a, um, a DWG file, um, we digitize that file. We pull out all of the space IDs uh, from the file, and sort of those are used to you know populate the screen. You know where you see the um, both the floor plan, but you also see the space IDs. You know um, as well. So we have you know both both available, um, um, and you know both via partners and via direct direct sort of uh, integrations. Um, the other thing we do is you know it's very sort of common um, that uh, customers will sort of want to consume this data uh, in other sort of other tools. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, API uh, integrations with these partners in which, you know, the, the actual sort of utilization data can be displayed within within their uh, their UIs uh, that folks already have workflows around. So. Right, yeah, because there was another question here about whether you can facilitate desk booking, but of course you can, right, if you integrate with, say, a desk booking app like Robin or something like that, right? Where yeah, yeah, desk yeah. booking really common. We have a lot of, lot of customers. It's actually, it's, it's, you know, relates to kind of a theme you're seeing return to work around um, uh, moving away from like touch screens. Uh, touch is mm -hmm. the enemy, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, we're seeing a lot of a lot of customers kind of rethink how they want to think about booking, and a lot more interest in uh, mobile uh, mobile booking systems and mobile desk reservation systems are very very common. Um, and 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 yeah, we, we've got integrations with um, with a variety of folks um, that that do uh, desk booking and room booking. Um, so you see, you know, a bunch in the slide, uh, Robin comfy office space software, iOffice, um, a whole, whole bunch of folks with good mobile, uh, mobile offerings. Um, we've deployed that, you know, already, you know, with these partners at customer locations, but yeah, mobile, I think a big trend out of this, I was actually like always a little skeptical of mobile in the office in general. Like I, I sort of like the, the sort of, um, kiosk type model, but, but now with COVID that's completely turned on its head. Uh, and I think see a lot more uh, mobile adoption. Mm, yeah, agree. Uh, one question here, um, is there ability to notify security, for example, if a particular zone becomes a red zone and then it can be cleared out into a safe zone real time? Yeah, that's interesting because I guess it's like, you know, once you know that somewhere area is over-occupied, how, how do you react to that, right? But, yeah. It's part it, it, of the it, whole process. It's a really, yeah. it's a really good question. Yeah, sort of like you know, if you have a you know a red zone here, like like sort of showing here, like like a zone that's seeing you know over occupancy or um, um, sort of like you know a lot of unsafe interactions. What do you do with it? Mm -hmm. um, and and presumably yes, you know you could with an API or likely an email style report, um, you know send an email to um, to you know security team or anybody who subscribes to that, and they could sort of react to it. Uh, in real time, we are hearing from some customers this concept of like a like a floor ambassador, you know, type of type of person who actually would be responsible for COVID nineteen enforcement on the floor. So somebody's walking around and, and doing a, a bunch of things, right? Like, okay, do we have enough, you know, hand sanitizer? Are are, are the barriers up as we want? Are we seeing the right signage in the floor? And then you know, maybe they're also a person that could sort of subscribe to those alerts. But a lot of companies obviously want to balance that with their culture uh, as well. And you know, do you want to actually send somebody to sort of you know break break up the party? Um, or, COVID or, uh, police force. Yeah, yeah. So so there's there's kind of big, big trade offs there. I, I would say the most common thing that we've been seeing is this concept of um, I'm kind of showing this. If you look in the bottom right of this, you know, an insight around you know what are the problem rooms, and then maybe like that you know that evening or the following morning uh, when somebody who's consuming this 
looks at this, I say, okay, I'm going to go see the problem rooms and maybe I add a sign or, you know, I I recheck the furniture uh, to make sure I've pulled all the chairs out uh, of those rooms. So I would say like, like using the data to inform Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, physical environmental changes is the most popular. Right. Or just nudging people's behavior, right. Telling them that. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely loads of ways of doing these things. Uh, comment here. Um, at TDSI, we've developed a track and trace app for our access control software that can issue a report notifying when an area or used reader or door has been used by someone who's identified themselves as a COVID carrier. Interesting. Launching that as a free application for our software users. And a question for you, Dan. Um, Considering that more evidence and concern over aerosolization of pathogens from COVID germs into the air um, that get into circulation, a property owner or manager may wish to choose a distance of, say, eight to ten foot, if possible, rather than minimum of six. Can your system change minimum threshold to different distances? Yes. Yeah. You, you can customize that, that, that length The default we have is, is uh, six feet. Um, but we have the ability to customize that to be, to be in excess of six feet as well from, for the mm-hmm. alerting, the average measurement uh, perspective, uh, because yeah, for different types of environments and depending on sort of, you know, how our understanding of transmission evolves, you're, you're going to want um, the ability to, to be flexible there. So that's something we have, we have the ability to do. Nice. Uh, okay, I think I've got time for one more. I'm sorry, I've missed a couple of questions, so sorry if I've missed your question. Um, but yeah, maybe um, you can email the guys at, um, at VergeSense if you have some burning questions you want answered. I'm sure they'll be happy to help you out. So uh, last one, is the data real time? How often does uh, data from your system get refreshed? Yeah, so so the the sensors have a um, the, the way they work. They have a a, a PIR motion sensor on them, mm-hmm. so they sort of wake up when they detect motion, and then they get the um, the person count data. Um, so you know from from sort of motion detection to person count data, we get that uh, immediately. Um, and then once they're triggered, uh, they will um, they collect data. The default rate is once every ten minutes. So they wake up once every ten minutes, collect data um, for the the and it's for the battery powered device. Uh, the wired sensor um, can go, you know, as little as 15 seconds per reading. Uh, so that, that's capable of sending data uh, quite rapidly. That's great. Look, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time today to go through this. I think, you know, based on um, the amount of questions we got and the uh, the interaction, I think it was um, it was very useful for people. So definitely appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jim. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody, for coming in. Yeah, and just to finish, I know I forgot to mention it earlier and some people reminded me, we have recorded the session, so you'll be able to um, to get that. I'll put that up um, online either today or tomorrow. So, you know, it's for our usual channels. It'll be on YouTube. So you'll see, obviously, not just a recording, but the slides as well. Um, and also on iTunes and Spotify as well, if you want to listen to it as a podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it oh you know we were i think almost oversubscribed so i mean if you have colleagues who didn't weren't managed to listen live then you know feel free to send them the the link once um once it's out there um yeah so again let's just say thanks everybody to listening 
really appreciate your time. And of course, thanks to Dan as well. Speak to you all later. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Take care.